0: Welcome to Wide Awake. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ, new to the faith, or someone who may be skeptical about the claims of Christ, we hope these next few minutes will build you up, encourage you, and help you wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ. I'm Chris Clark, the host for Wide Awake today, and joining me in the studio is Chase Ifland, Minister of Community and Connection, and Jeff Lawrence, Lead Pastor of Redemption Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Jeff's got a vacation
1: coming up, so hopefully he's doing well.
2: I am doing well, and I'm laughing a little bit because we started this podcast like three times trying to get all this, <laughs> all just those two lines right. And uh, so we're we're I've mean, got big expectations. We're today. off to a great
0: start. <laughs> yes, Jeff, why don't you kick us off and, and let us know what we're talking about today?
2: We want us to talk today about growing a deeper vision for what it means to, to be a life-giving presence. We sometimes use that phrase and talk about being a life-giving presence, but I think there's a lot that goes into that that we really want to talk about and why why we need to serve people in practical ways in our city, but also need to preach the gospel and and, and make sure we share the gospel with, with people in our city. And sometimes those things are seen to be in tension, and it's interesting as you look at our, at our world and just some of the transitions there. Pew Research Center came out with a new study, and it feels like there's one of these that comes out every, week, every, every month lately. But this says in the next generation, uh, we are likely to go under 50% in terms of people in America that identify themselves as Christians. And so that seems to be a trend that everyone is seeing, and uh, not mentioning that that to be fearful or anything else, but as we think about how we interact with our neighbors, as we think about how we love those around us, and and how we kind of further the mission of our church, I think there's some realities that we have to consider when we think about the way in which these things work themselves out, um, just in our world, and in our, in our relationships. And really what we see is that people are generally skeptical towards evangelism. They see that as trying to push your views upon someone. And uh, you, in fact, you may even be listening and you're one of those that like, man, I, I have some mistrust of, of churches and of, of institutions. And there's a general trend that is... Distrustful, And there's a trust gap between the the churches in our world and the people of our world. And so you may be someone who's experiencing that and just said, man, I look at churches as a place where that seems to lack love, that seems to lack concern for the needs of our world. And yet, when I, when I think about the book of Acts and I think about what we see in Scripture— you see this kind of balanced approach of people that are loving well, and they're, they're loving their neighbor as, as themselves, as Jesus called them to do, and meeting practical needs of their city. But they're also calling people to, to follow Jesus and to, to lean into the way of Jesus and to trust him with their lives. And those two things seem to go together. And so I want to look at that today and tease it out a little bit. Acts 3 actually gives us a great picture of this and kind of models for this, what it might look like. For a group to engage their city in a in a helpful way, and so wanted to just ask you what what stands out to you when you think about Acts three and kind of that that approach that we see the believers in the early church living out.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I think about Acts three and this story. Uh, the, these are really two of the fo- the closest followers of Jesus, Peter and John, after Jesus had died and was resurrected, and so these guys are trying to live out the way of Jesus, right? in in the book of acts and we see this story happen where they they pass by this this beggar this lame beggar and it it's almost like they're they're just doing exactly what they saw Jesus do and they approach this man they talk to him they see him they see his great need i mean he's he's lame he's crippled he can't walk he's asking for money and they heal him they heal him that's insane and then after that Opens up this opportunity for Peter to share the gospel to this crowd of people who just watched and witnessed this well, and, whole thing. And
2: part of that that always blows me away is they when they heal him, he what's he start doing? Like he jumps up and down. He, yeah, he's, he's he's leaping and running and he's walking with them and and so there's this this joy and this excitement and they see how this interaction with these guys has changed his life. And that leads them to begin to share the gospel
0: well, and here here's to me, here's what's so powerful about this is we expect these kinds of things from Jesus and his ministry. But this is like the one of the first times we see this happening from believers who are following him. And we I remember Jesus' words like, you're going to do greater things than these, right? And here they are, the disciples the followers of Jesus doing it. And they're doing two things. they're they're meeting a need, and then they're preaching the gospel, and people are continuing to be saved.
1: Yeah. And another thing that is so cool about that story is that it just happened in the course of their everyday life. It happened at the temple gate as they were going up to pray at the temple, as they did mm-hmm. each and every day. They just had an opportunity for an interaction with this man. And mm-hmm. um, as they interacted with him, they they met his physical need. Um, and then they also shared the gospel with, with him and he believed. And, and that led to opportunity to share the gospel with the crowd's
2: you know, Chase, I love that, and I love the fact that it's going just through the course of their day. And as we think about our days, you know, like I just want to think about think about how that connects to you and to me And as we walk and we go for, to school or we're going to, to work. We're, our church is moving downtown, and in some ways we will be at the heart of the city just as they were at the heart of the city. There will be lots of opportunity and interactions with people around us. I think one of the things I, I want to ask us and, and want to tease out a little here is there, there's the, the part there in Acts 3 where it just says over and over, uh, it kind of points to sight that they saw him. And he said, look at us. And he directed his gaze at them. And they, they kind of, you know, they didn't w- just walk past this guy in need, but they, yeah. they saw him yeah. and they were present. And, and then they engaged in a way. What, what keeps us from seeing people in our city? It's good.
0: You know, it's funny. I, I'm hearing you say this, and I'm putting some. I'm connecting some dots. I've got middle school boys and, and a high schooler, and one of the things they always say right now in passing is like, "I see you, I see you." <laughs> you know, and it's like this way of saying like, "I got you." You know, I got your back. Yeah. I see you. And there's something to that. Like young people are even acknowledging that there's something to be said about being seen
2: because we're so else. busy and we run so fast and we we're inundated with so much information and so much technology and so much stuff that we actually have to call it out when we recognize someone, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. which is insane, right? I
0: see you, yeah. Uh,
2: to, to, to just in an interaction with a friend to go, dude, I see you, mm-hmm. is a significant thing in our world. Yeah. And what, what would it look like for believers in our city to be the ones who saw? People for who they were and saw them as worthy of engagement and saw them as those who are made in the image of, of God and, and valuable enough to, for us to be present with them is a pretty remarkable thing to think about how that would impact those around us.
0: Yeah, Jeff, several years ago, um, I, I can't even remember the series we're in, but as we were beginning as a church plant, this, this term life-giving presence kind of was birthed out of a sermon series that we were walking through. And I, and I just remember that phrase, life-giving presence, uh, as being something to just hang on to when I'm going about my day. And it's become such a practical tool for me when I walk into a grocery store or walk into a coffee shop or I'm walking down the street is what is what would it be for me to be a life giving presence in this scenario? And so much of it is just like, I see you, you know, like, let me look at you in the eyes. Let me smile. Let me maybe like pay a compliment or say something out of the ordinary that just encourages somebody and brings life to them. But one thing I don't do is necessarily connect the dots with how that might open up a door to share the gospel with people. I'm, I'm finding it pretty easy to like go about my day habitually now and and try to be a life giving presence. But sometimes I lack the like the follow through of that. You know what is what is the ultimate like what could I show them beyond just a life giving presence?
1: Yeah, what what we see in Acts three is that Peter and John did both. They met that practical need. They saw the practical need, and they also preached the gospel and there are many, many, many practical needs in our city. And as we uh, go about with open eyes, we'll see those needs. And then there's there's a lot of spiritual need as well. And so it's a challenge of, of trying to do both like Peter and John did. And, and that's hard. So Jeff, what are, what are some of the dangers or some of the uh, challenges of trying to do both, to meet practical needs and to preach the gospel at the same time?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, the the... Uh, Kind of three of them popped to mind when I was just thinking about this driving over here this morning and like, what, what are some difficulties of this approach? And I think the first one that, that jumped out to me is that if an act of love isn't real, then it might be used as a bait and switch for evangelism, mm-hmm. and I think uh, when we think about that trust gap between our world and, and the churches of our world, I think that's part of what's led to it. That sometimes people look at it as, oh, that's just a setup. You're building your brand, and you're going to try to yeah. sell me a pitch. And you're going to give your sales pitch, but there's there's not a real authentic love um, that's that's present in this scenario. So, I think uh, I think that could easily be a pitfall.
0: Yeah, I it makes me think of like the maybe the language of no strings attached and there's some good to that but there's also like there's a pitfall to that if all of our good never has any movement towards showing them where the good's coming from right so i could i could easily argue like well my my goal just needs to be to be a life-giving presence to people to show them kindness to show them love but at the end of the day if that it, it, there has to be a a movement toward the gospel and there has to be a movement towards showing them where that love actually generates from. But here's the, here's the issue. I can't do that in like a quick moment at the grocery store or a quick moment at coffee at a coffee shop. It's, it's going to take building a relationship that's a little slower than I think what our culture is used to right now. We want instant results. We want, we want the box checked. We want to know we're winning and it just doesn't seem like we're going to be able to do it that way.
2: And I think that's why I think in Acts 3, you see both or both need to be present, that if you simply are preaching at someone, but you don't love them in a practical way, and you're not actually caring for their needs, then that, that message rings really hollow or sounds pretty empty. Uh, but the opposite's true, as you were saying, that if you, uh, if you just serve their needs, but don't ever say, well, I love you because Jesus loved me, and we don't ever get to pointing them to Christ in the way of Jesus, then there's something deficient in that as well. And so I think that, that for me is the first pitfall is that if it's we're just putting on something in order to try to close a sales pitch at the end, then that is going to ring pretty hollow. I think the second one that jumped out at me is, is if an offer of friendship isn't real, but only lasts until they've heard the gospel and accepted or rejected it, but you, you're not actually in it to be friends— I think that is also gonna ring pretty hollow in our world
0: Jeff that last one's heavy um, that that's that's what I feel when I hear you talk about that pitfall of of a friendship that isn't developed because of a genuine love but it's more more just developed about you know coming around some kind of win or that that really is like the next level of the bait and switch and I get like it makes me sad because I know that like maybe unintentionally maybe sometimes even intentionally I've lived that way. And it it makes me just want to pause for a minute and say, like, I'm sorry, you know, like if I've done that to somebody, my intentions aren't to like bait and switch them into my faith, you know, like, and I, and I need God's help to better understand how to live out a relationship that's, that's based in loving a person the way Christ does and not based on, you know, getting something out of it.
2: Uh, You know, as, as you're talking, I think, it, two things coming through my head. One is, man, this could be overwhelming. Like, you, I think we, this conversation could, could immediately feel like, oh my goodness, our job as Christians is to run around and meet everyone's needs all the time and to be everyone's friend and to do everything that, you know, to, to try to engage everyone at every level all the time. And all of a sudden, dude, I'm exhausted <laughs> and I'm overwhelmed. And I don't think that's what this is. This is pointing us to at all. I think this is, uh, the, the, the call here and what I want to receive is the call here. And I don't think I'm, to the best of my ability, trying to self-justify here. Mm-hmm. I think uh, where I need to grow in this is just that authentic walk with Jesus mm-hmm. and trusting the guidance of the Holy Spirit in the day-to-day stuff of life. As I walk through the city as a, hopefully as a, as a non-anxious presence, but someone who's free to love those as, as they come across my path. As, as Chase mentioned earlier, there's, as I go about my life, I'm interacting with those that are around me. I'm seeing them. I'm recognizing them. I'm uh, potentially meeting some needs as I'm, as I'm able, but not feeling this as this overwhelmed thing that I'm going to run around and try to do everything, um, but to care well for those that God brings across my path as I'm living out a healthy followership of Jesus.
1: That's good, Jeff. Something that that you said a couple of weeks ago was uh, that as you're living your life and going about your days and you're out in 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 the town in the city is to uh, not dismiss those little interactions with people. And you know, you notice this person walking down the street as like that. That's not the holy. That's not the Holy Spirit nudging you in that. Like that could be the Holy Spirit. You know. Um, setting up that interaction and nudging you towards that person. And, you know, we, we, we want the like acts to big spirit doing, doing crazy things, but the spirit, you know, works in our heart to nudge us into conversations with people that could be the opportunity to meet a need and, and to tell them about
2: Jesus. Yeah. I remember someone said, I heard someone say long, a while back, um, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a helpful check for me on this to not feel like I have to do everything for everyone. But if I'm not doing it for someone, yeah. there's probably a deficit on my end and want to want to engage mm-hmm. some other people as well. Yeah.
1: So Jeff, what's the, what's the third pitfall?
2: Uh, I think the third one is, I mean, and these are all interrelated. They're all interconnected, I think, but if we're serving because of our need to feel important and, and, and needed, then I think we're not going to be a humble, generous um, kind of kind person towards others, that, it, that if ultimately our service is about us and about us feeling important, I think that's another pitfall I sometimes see in churches, that it's it's like, man, this isn't really about caring for someone else. This is about you building yeah. kind of your name or your importance in, in the world.
0: That's a biggie. I mean, let's just state the obvious, like social media, all the identity that we create for ourselves online, it is all fed by acceptance and followers and affirmation and so like we're easily swimming in this stream of I do things because it actually builds up my you know perceived persona my perceived you know identity all of those things and that's a dangerous place to live and I think we're all like uh, I want to say slowly coming to grips with that I think we're actually getting hit in the face with this reality right now as a culture that like it's not working and mm-hmm. and so we're we're left to what feels like a lot of inauthenticity it's you know we're realizing like what we thought was authentic is not really authentic and we're having to re-examine what that really looks like as we live out our faith and
2: and who we are how does that make you all want to live differently when you think about your own your own life and your own day-to-day what what is that what does that stir in your hearts
0: I mean, if, I, if I'm answering the social media question, there's a part of me that just wants to throw the whole thing out the window. Like, I've joked about that many times. Like, I just want to chuck my phone out the window because I see it and I see the unhealth. But I know that the answer goes deeper than just a simple fix of throwing my phone out the window. The answer goes deeper into where, what what is my heart how's my heart responding to these things and why is it that i'm finding affirmation in others as opposed to what jesus has said about me and so to answer your question like yes there's like i want to reject what culture has kind of put on me if if you will but i also realize that I have to put on something else. I have to put on what Christ has said about me. And so it's causing me to want to just go deeper into, like, what's what's going on inside of my heart that's causing me to run to these things or causing me to be frustrated by them?
1: Yeah, one of the ways that my wife and I seek to live this out is by having people over for dinner regularly. And it's a challenge to see people for who they are and to be present with people when we have them over for dinner. Why is that a challenge? I don't, it, it's a challenge because it's it's easier just to check a box and feel good about having people over for dinner and check the I'm being a life-giving presence box and not actually see that person and meet their needs and care for them as a as a human being made in God's image. It's easier just to cook a meal and or it's easier to let my wife do that. I can cook the <laughs> meal and and she can be the one that cares for them.
0: I appreciate you saying this Chase because like as, a, as somebody who's gotten to know you over the years, like I don't see a person who's just overly concerned with checking the boxes. I know you're a list guy, but I also I can imagine myself sitting at your table and being seen by you and Maddie. And I think you're probably selling yourself a little bit short. You probably do that well. And that's the imagery that I, as you're describing that, I'm like, that is, I see you, right? I see you. You're at my table. I see you. And then for me, it's like, what, what I've been trying to do in those moments, because I'm, I'm right there with you. I want people sitting with me. I want to be able to look at them in the eyes. I want to share this moment and this experience, the stories that we're telling, you know, maybe the faith that we're sharing with one another. But I don't want to feel the need to have to capture it all and then advertise it on mm-hmm. my social media platform. And man, I've just realized how much that exists in me it's Mm -hmm. like if I don't take a picture of this moment it didn't happen if I don't say something catchy you know on my Instagram feed then then it didn't it's not you know it's not really happening and and so as a practice I've just been like man talk the phone away and just be present in that moment. As much as I want to grab my phone out and, and join in with all the fun. And I'm not demonizing that. It's like, take a picture. No, have the fun. I, I, I you know? see you, Chris.
2: I see you. <laughs> yes. I hear you. Uh, I'm with you. I think all, that, all that's real. It's, it is interesting for me as we think about this. You know, when we started this church, our mission statement was that we're going to help people be authentic followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We live for the glory of God and the good of our world. And that authentic followers of Jesus thing, just as we're talking, like, Jesus is screaming at me, like, we need to be like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus didn't just run past people. Jesus didn't, like, leverage people. He wasn't just trying to build a brand. He right. was—there He was. There was an authenticity and a realness that was there. And there's something in me as we're talking that's like, oh, I just I want to be like Jesus, mm-hmm. and I think that's what jumps out at me when I look at Peter and John walking in and they're doing things that Jesus did and they're engaging, and then they're going, hey, Jesus is at the center of all this, and so they didn't just heal this guy and go, man, that's awesome, let's go, you know, run a run a road race real quick although they probably did that later i think they probably went and had some fun and you know took this guy dancing or something because he you know the lame had been healed and he was leaping yeah. around and excited but they said and this act of kindness, I want you to know this is ultimately something that was done not through our own piety or our own power, but this is done by Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and then we want to tell you about Jesus and how he can bring forgiveness of your sins and he can bring refreshment spiritually to you. And He can he's going to come back and restore all things so that all the lame of the world will leave and, and everyone is brought back to perfect wholeness and health. And so they wanted to connect the dots for people between those things but it started with just an authenticity of their life. And it wasn't this thing that they were having to put on or boxes they were having to check. And man, I just as we're talking, I'm getting hungry to to try to live in, in that yes. authentic way of Jesus.
0: Well, I feel like what I'm hearing you say is these guys lived this out because they experienced it. Mm, right. like there was something that happened in their hearts it goes back to an episode or two ago that when we talked about being cut to the heart when you are completely transformed by what Jesus did for us and his love for us we can't help but live it out in this way right and so, yes, there are the pitfalls. Yes, there, there are the ways in which we go about doing this. But ultimately, for me, it's what you're describing. Like, I have to go to the source. I have to remember that Jesus gripped my heart. He changed me forever. I can never be the same. And that he's given me a helper along the way in order to live this out, which is the Holy Spirit.
2: And our job, you know, as we think about how, what does this look like unfolding You know, the scriptures talk about we can walk in the flesh, we can walk in the Spirit. And as we're walking in our own flesh and our own strength, then, I mean, we're going to fall short. We're going to run past people. We're not going to see them. We're not going to engage them. We're going to have a meal, but we may not truly have a heart engagement with them. And as we're leaning in and trusting the Spirit and walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, then, man, those things, I think, come to fruition because He he makes us look more like Jesus. Mm And that—that's where I think we—we want to—we want to drive. And as we think about, kind of this—this this call to, man, love people with the practical—in the practical ways that they need it, but also, and tell them where that love comes from—that it—that it ultimately comes from Christ. I think those are the things that—that that this is really for everyone. This isn't just for you, uh, for those of us that are on a church staff, but everyone in our who's a believer who's learning to follow Jesus can walk in this kind of a way and to make a make an impact as we seek to engage our city
0: thanks again for listening to wide awake wide awake is produced by redemption church in edmond oklahoma if what we talked about today resonated please subscribe to our podcast and share this episode with a friend also we'd love to hear from you if you have questions or topics that you would like for us to cover you can email us at wideawake at redemptionokc.com. Lastly, if you're looking for more ways to wake up to deep, meaningful life in Christ, we'd love for you to join us for our Sunday worship gatherings. We gather each week at 1030 a.m. to grow as followers of Christ. You can also join us by watching online at redemptionokc.com. All are welcome. The only requirement is to come as you are. Until next time, may the light of Christ
2: shine on you.